started on YouTube. Yeah. In 2009. I did. So like, let's go all the way back to 2009. Where were you at in your life? What prompted you to start a YouTube? Because YouTube started in like, what, 2005? I don't remember when YouTube started, but in order to answer that question, I think we have to go even more back. Even more back. Okay, <laughs> more take back. us take us all the way back there. Set the scene. Okay, so um, in 2009, I did post my first YouTube video, but I'm going to take you back because it's. I'm sure you're going to ask me about my career trajectory, and it's very, very windy, so I just need to of set course. up the stage, and I always mess this up, so sorry in advance because as with life, right, everything kind of intersects, and there is like a... Uh, Things that happen, things that you do that you don't know what it's going to lead to, but it all kind of matters and rounds out the circle. At the very end. Yeah. It all comes from a circle always. Yeah. Okay. So when I was a kid, I knew I wanted to be a fashion designer. I would carry around a sketchbook with me and just draw all the time. I sewed dresses for my Barbies. Um, And then as I got older, I designed dresses for my friends for prom. Like it was like always a thing. And so when I told my parents, hey, I think I want to study design in college, They were like, absolutely not. (laughs) Like, you will either be a doctor, a lawyer, or a failure. And for anyone who's listening, who doesn't know my background, I'm Chinese and Vietnamese American. And so within that culture, um, being a doctor is a very honorable thing. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up being like, oh, okay, I guess I'll listen to my parents. I'm like, I didn't reach my rebellion phase until much later in life. And so I went to school for pre-med and just felt really hollow in my heart. Um, And so I ended up like, I'm someone who really just likes to be busy all the time and just find different outlets. I just like, I like that. So anyway, I was on Craigslist because we remember (laughs) Craigslist, right? And I was like, oh, let me find like a side job. And I saw that there was a listing for a Pilates instructor position. Now, at this time, I was not certified, but I had been doing a lot of Mari Windsor Pilates DVDs. Do you remember those? No, but I remember like P9DX. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then what's the other, there's like a woman and she does. Oh, Shalene Johnson with TKB. Like it was like a whole thing, like. Isn't DVD that workout. Crazy the fact that like you actually had to buy a DVD, yep. you get a set number of workouts uh-huh. on that, and then that's all you have. That's all you had, and you just repeat it. You just keep repeating it. And so I had been doing those since like high school, and I was like, I could do I what could the ladies this. do. So I showed up to the audition, and I like did my little routine, and the gym owner was like, "Cool, um, you're hired. Just let me see your certification." And I was like, "Yeah, about that, I don't have one." So she's like, "Oh, okay." I'll, I'll like pay for it. Um, and so she did that for me. And honestly, okay. that, that thing really did kind of change the rest of my life too. Right. Because I taught Pilates on the side, um, kind of as an outlet. Cause I was so unhappy in college with mm-hmm. my uh, major and everything. And so at you're the teaching time, while you're a student. I'm teaching while I'm a student. Okay. And Are you teaching at your college or? No, this was like at a local gym, like in the okay. downtown area. And then I remember from that, because I was certified, I was able to get a job at 24 Hour Fitness teaching okay. Pilates there. And I had my own format at the time. So Pilates then was like done to classical music, maybe no music at all, very slow. But I love dance and I love pop. And so I created something called Pop Pilates, which is Pilates to pop music. So you're kind of like pulsing to the beat and just letting the music drive your mm-hmm. workout. Um, so that's kind of what I was doing. And during this time... I found that I had some problems with all the music and the stuff that I had to carry to the gym. So when you're teaching, you need your yoga mat, your CDs, your towels, your shoes, like all that kind of stuff. And I was kind of like fumbling around with my tote bags. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, I'm going to design um, a bag just for myself, something super cute with like a bow because I couldn't find anything out there. And so (laughs) I went to Fashion District in LA, bought some scrap fabrics and put something together for me. And then my students were like, oh my God, that is so so cute. Can I have one? And I was like, oh, okay. And so that was the beginning of me solving a problem for myself and then um, making some for my students. And as you can see now, the story has gone super windy, but let's just go down this path anyway. So no, I love it. I do? am like, okay. oh, I'm fully locked really? in. I'm like staring at you smiling. I'm like, oh, she's going to think I'm so weird. Okay. The story is just, just so windy. <laughs> I actually wanted to know. So do you have a background in dance or you just, you just love to dance? I not like super formally or okay. anything. I love to dance. Um, and 
Yeah, and I, I happen to be flexible because I like to stretch and stuff. But no, okay. no I, I like I took tap as a kid. You know, okay. I took ballet as a child. <laughs> yes, <laughs> nothing super formal. Although I, I wish I did because I dancers is just so incredibly graceful and effortless, but so strong at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I have so much respect for dancers. Oh my gosh. Dancers are in like the best shape ever, ever. I also think too, that musicality is very important when you're teaching fitness classes. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know this, but I teach bar. I, yes. Yeah. Yes. You got to come to my class, but also I I'm, must. I'm kind of like, Ooh, I don't know if I want you to come. <laughs> no, 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 no. You Give can me teach, a good workout. You could teach it better than me. For no, sure. no, 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 no. Um, but the music, like it definitely comes more natural to some people than others, but that is very important to me. If I'm going to a workout class, A, you have to have a good playlist. Uh-huh. It's got to be upbeat 100%. music. And like current too. Like don't give me the cheesy no. pop music. Yeah, not the mm chuk mm chuk. Like, yeah, give me something good. Yeah. Yeah. And, and somebody who like, I, what I want in fitness instructor is like bully me a little bit. Like, mm. like really push me. And I feel like there are a lot of Pilates and bar classes out there that are very calm and it's very focused Mm -hmm. on, obviously your breath is super important, Mm -hmm. but it's, you know, not as exciting. It's not as like fun. So you basically created your whole own genre. I did because I I need that to be pushed. <laughs> I like I let like don't you notice that when you play faster music when you're running if you run mm-hmm. you kind of run a little faster. Yeah, I do. So then it just makes me work a little harder. And you're just you're not thinking about counts. You're just going. You're dancing on the mm-hmm. mat. One of my favorite things. I don't really run. I tried to have a <laughs> yeah. I don't really run anymore. <laughs> like I had a phase. The phase is not here anymore. It's gone. Same. <laughs> I hosted a five k last year. I was like, I'm going wow. to be a runner. I'm going to do this. So I did run a lot. Uh-huh. Um, and what I would listen to is Big Booty Mix. Do you know that? I don't. I should listen to Big Booty Mix. You should. It's like these 30 to 40 minute mixes and it's just a ton of music all combined together. It's a remix. It's by two friends and they have like a bunch of them, but it, it's really big in like college pregames. You just Ooh. put on one one playlist and it plays for so long. But I like it because the tempo changes. So sometimes uh, it's like super fast, sometimes yeah, yeah, yeah. more chill. Yeah. And then you do. You naturally just yep. move to the beat of the music. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, wait, where was I? Oh, 24 hour fitness. Okay. So <laughs> I was teaching I was teaching that. Okay. So meanwhile, let's go back to the academia side of things. Um heart super hollow, like really like just hating it. Absolutely hating it. Knew that I never would want to be a doctor ever. And I tried to tell my parents, sages like, you absolutely will not change your major. And I was like one class away from taking the MCAT. And I was like, they just weren't listening to me. So I was like, um, I guess I'm just going to drop out of organic chemistry and just like make a statement. And man, that really pissed them off. But that was also, weirdly enough, junior year of college was when I became rebellious. Most people have that happen in their like preteen years. I was a little bit late to the game. Um, but that moment, again, also set, uh, was it was an inflection point. Mm-hmm. And so 2009, now we're back to your original question. Um, I was graduating and I still graduated uh, with an honors in biology. So I'd finished that out, but I knew I didn't want to do anything with it. Mm -hmm. 2009 was also the year that I was applying to a ton of different jobs and trying to find my way into fashion, but I had no design degree. So I couldn't even be an assistant for a fashion designer. So I thought, okay, maybe if I become a fashion buyer, like that would really mix in my analytical skills with, and just get me closer to fashion. Mm -hmm. And so um, I landed an opportunity on the East Coast to work at a corporate fashion business. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to live this glam life and become a buyer and it's going to be amazing. And in 2009, YouTube comes into play because my students at 24 Hour Fitness were like, Cassie, you're leaving us? Who's going to teach Pop Pilates? And I was like, oh my gosh, no one's going to teach Pop Pilates for them because it's my own format and there's yeah. no one knows it. So I decided to film a 10 minute video literally for 40 <laughs> people at 24 Hour Fitness. And I was like, hey guys, I'm going to upload it on this site called YouTube so you can just do it whenever you miss me. And it really was only for 40 people. And I uploaded it, didn't really look at it. But the next time that I did, there were like thousands of views and hundreds of comments asking for more. more. And, and it was more, more. Right. And it wasn't even from the students. And so that was 2009. Isn't it crazy <laughs> that there was still this like, I, I think, I mean, TikTok now is kind of similar to YouTube when it was first starting out, that there weren't there were not that many videos on YouTube. No, no. Like now I could YouTube search absolutely anything, anything, anything at all. How to tie a tie, how to tie your shoelaces, how to 
change your gutter. I don't know. Like so many <laughs> random things out there. Yeah. Same with TikTok now. Yeah. But that's similar. Like you post one video, you don't think anyone's really going to see it or your intended audience is going to see it. And right. you wake up, you're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. So when you were filming this video, did you have any experience using a camera? Like what, do you, what no. did you use okay. to film this? I'm picturing like a camcorder. That literally was a camcorder. It was my <laughs> boyfriend's like dad's camcorder. And I don't know for what reason why we decided to like set me all the way across the room and then put the camera on the other side of the room and then just zoom in so it's extra grainy for some reason. We knew <laughs> nothing. And if you watch that video it's from like 2009, a picture. right, it's like the worst <laughs> thing ever. And then towards the end of the video, because this camcorder is so old, it starts turning green. And there's like these like squares that pop on the screen. You can still see it. Like, and that was the first video and I didn't know how to edit and YouTube's upload limit was 10 minutes. So, and I was doing it to music. Oh. I, we like, I picked the songs. I think like only three can really fit. And I started and ended without making any mistakes because I didn't know how to edit. Yeah. And it was a, I put it into Windows Movie Maker, which no one should use. <laughs> Literally just chopped up the first three seconds and the last three seconds and just uploaded it. But it's interesting because not knowing how to edit set me up as someone who could film a fitness video like full on through mm -hmm. no breaks and just like just go as if I was teaching a class. How much yeah. different is it to film a video of you teaching a class versus being in the class and teaching people? I mean, the only difference is that I'm looking at the camera instead of okay. like looking around the room, going up to people, adjusting their form. But for me, it's like the same thing, mm -hmm. really, because I, because I, I just film them real time. Right. And yeah. if you teach so many classes, you get used to like your cadence, mm -hmm. you get used to your routine and everything. Yeah. But I do, even when I'm teaching, I mean, you do a lot of the movements with it, but you're going around, you're fixing people. So yeah. you're not doing everything full out, but in the videos, in the videos, no break. Yeah. When no I break. watch, and it's so crazy because like, I had no idea at the time when I was in college and uh -huh. I was like watching your videos in my community gym <laughs> at the rec center, like doing it in the little aerobics room off on my own because yeah. I didn't know how to use weights. I didn't know how to do anything. Yeah. It's so crazy that like, I'm literally sitting here and I've I've done so many of your workouts. Oh, thank you. Even like during COVID, I had nowhere to go. And it's just, it's so wild. So <laughs> you start with these 10 minute videos. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It blows up. People want more. Where does this take you? Okay. Where does this take me? Um, pretty much it takes me to building a, a community that was kind of unintended, right? Mm -hmm. And eventually this community community begins asking for product. Yeah. <laughs> and I begin designing things for them, posted like, you know, my first shirt on Facebook. Oh my God. And yeah. Facebook. Speaking of Facebook. Um, and it's selling out within minutes. Like that was so crazy. But then also like this rise on YouTube, it wasn't like an overnight thing. Um, I wouldn't say I really had like one viral video that made everything like it, it wasn't like that. It was a gradual thing. The community built and Along this process, there were highs and lows. Um, highs, I had meetups where I could meet thousands of women like who use my videos to gain muscle, lose weight, build confidence, right? At one point, Taylor Swift even tweeted me and was like, I just did your 100 ab challenge. I was like, are you kidding me? I need to go find I, that right I, now. I'm Googling it. <laughs> I'm a huge Swifty. Huge, huge, huge. Um, but then along with that, because you're filming videos yourself, working out, you probably know with fitness, there's so many different factions mm -hmm. of fitness and it became really toxic. And I was body shamed to death, like mm -hmm. online for being too fat, being too skinny, not having a butt, not having abs, like everything you could think of. And it was emotionally taxing, exhausting, and really brought me to some dark places. And it's just terrible mm -hmm. what people will say about your body as a fitness instructor, because they think your body is supposed to be the billboard for your routines. When really, when I set out to do this, um, first of all, I wasn't asking to get quote unquote famous, become an influencer. Like I was really just trying to upload a video for 40 people. That's it. Right. And, um, yeah, it, it's, it, I didn't realize how toxic the fitness industry was until I stopped making fitness videos. This mm -hmm. was like as of a couple of years ago. I actually wanted to ask you about yeah. that like whole journey of having people then watching your videos, seeing you throughout. Cause how many years did you do this? This was like doing math right now. Yeah. Like t 2009 to, to like probably 2000. Just a couple years ago. Yeah. Just a couple of years ago. What are we right now? 20, yeah. Let's just say the 
So like 20, 10 plus years. 20, yeah, some like I don't remember anymore. Honestly, I have to look <laughs> at my YouTube channel. Yeah, I'm, I'm not good at math either. Yeah. But obviously, when you started that, you were so young. Like your body is naturally going to change mm-hmm. throughout the years. Mm-hmm. And I actually got a comment the other day, and it literally ruined it. It ruined my mood. I was oh. I cried about it. I'm like, why oh, am I crying? This is so no. stupid. But it's like people watch these videos of you, and they have an idea of what their standard of like fitness and health is. So, and for whatever reason, people feel the need to like point it out when you've gained weight or you've gained muscle or you have lost weight or anything. Um, There's just like no boundaries now. So what are some things that you have done or that you did in the past to like help rebuild your self-confidence and your body image in those moments where you felt like you were in a really dark place? Yeah, so I have gained weight on camera and being a fitness instructor, that's almost like the death of you, at least back then. Yeah. Do you feel like it almost makes people like invalidate your credentials? 100%. 100%. Like, they were, well, why are you gaining weight? Oh, absolutely. So I started getting, well, it, okay, let me back up a little bit. Um, I did a fitness bikini competition like back in like 2012. And that was me wanting to push myself to see like, oh, how far can I get physically? And it was like, well, it was a great and the worst experience ever <laughs> because I really did push myself physically. Um, and it was a lot of, I was able to, I, I wrote a blog post every day about my training and people saw my body transform. And that was really interesting. I lifted heavier than I ever did, but at the same time, and I was being coached by a bodybuilding coach at this time. Um, I, I fell into a really bad relationship with food and had a full on eating disorder and like let the scale tell me what I was worth. And so, um, after the bikini competition, after like getting my body weight and body fat percentage down so low, um, even at the end of it on stage, I still looked at myself in the mirror and thought, Oh, this isn't good enough. Like you're not lean enough. Um, and after that I was like scared to eat bananas and apples and brown rice. Like, like I was really in a bad state. So anyway, I had to go back to eating healthy, normal. I'm not talking about burgers and fries, but just like not egg whites and just protein powder all the time. And my body naturally started to gain weight because it had been depleted for so long. And as I was gaining weight on camera, I started getting these comments and they were so terrible. Like, oh, if you cared about your career, you would lose some weight. Like, like it, it was bad. And, um, it got so bad to a point where I didn't know what to do about it. And yes, I full on cried after every single one. And they were just like piling on a lot. So one day I decided, you know what? I need to flip this script. I screenshotted all of the worst comments and decided to let it inspire a video called the perfect body. And so in the video, you see me look at these comments and just Photoshop my body to what people want me to look like. Mm -hmm. And so when it says like, why don't you have a bigger butt? You can see me Photoshopping a rounder butt. Why don't you have flatter abs? And then kind of squeeze in my obliques and stuff. And in the end, you see me change my body based on comments. And when I posted that video, for me, mostly it was a healing thing Mm -hmm. just to change that power dynamic, you know, take the negativity and turn into positivity. But after I posted that video, it went super viral and it got shared on so many news outlets. I was on Good Morning America talking about it. And there was so many people like parents saying like, I showed this to my daughter or I shared this with my wife and it really helped them as well. And so that's how I dealt with those negative comments back then. Now I didn't really make them stop because people are just ruthless, but it did (laughs) help me um, learn how to turn negativity into positivity. And when was that? That That was was like 2016. 2016. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of like during the thick of like the body positive movement and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I have proof though that I I do it myself because (laughs) there are so many episodes where I have to cut out like the video or I have to cut out certain parts because I just messed it up. No. But I think like I have actually learned a lot through the process of doing all of this. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm sure you learned a lot too as you're making all these different videos and you're posting on YouTube and then Instagram comes around, MySpace, Facebook, all these things. Mm -hmm. So what are like editing tips (laughs) that you've learned throughout the years? Because your storytelling is so insane and we were talking about this off camera before we started Mm. talking but Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of the reason why you have such a huge community is because you're very honest Mm. you're great at telling a story thank you and you explain things that are just so like 
easy to understand, but very thoughtful too. So even when you're talking about like, you're making this video, shape-shifting your body and yeah. doing all these things, how did you learn how to edit like that? Okay, well that one I didn't edit. That okay. I worked with some very professional professionals to get that idea to happen. And okay. that was crazy because um, there's a, just like breaking it down a little bit. Like, so when you're Photoshopping a picture, you're Photoshopping like one frame, right? And so since this picture is now moving and there's like 30 frames to one second, just imagine editors editing every single frame oh my for gosh. one second to get my body to like shape shift like that. Now look, in 2016, there wasn't like the AI technology mm-hmm. or even like Facetune and all that kind of stuff where you could just easily do it. I'm like, oh wait, uh, we did yeah. have Facetune in 2016. Wait, all, did, oh my god, what? I was in high wait, school. Wait, I didn't know about that. I genuinely, like, sometimes I look back at pictures of myself from high school. I'm like, oh, damn, I was so pretty. I looked so good. I was so skinny. But you and forgot? Like, no, because I genuinely have no idea what I really looked like because I edited almost every single video or, oh. like, picture. I don't edit my videos. You, you obviously cannot do that. And I think, actually, when I start... Actually, I don't know why I said it like that. Actually. <laughs> actually. When I started on TikTok and there was no beauty filter on TikTok uh-huh. at the start, mm-hmm. I loved that. Loved they didn't mm. have that. Um, I was encouraged to not edit anything at all like you could see myself exactly as I was yeah. and during COVID yeah. I think it was actually the encouragement that I needed to stop editing anything entirely whether it was like whitening my teeth or blurring a pimple mm. or whatever and um yeah I I'm like I'm talking about it as if it's like an addiction but I really did facetune a lot of stuff in high school into college but it was around oh <laughs> wow okay so I missed that one <laughs> it's, okay. it's honestly probably better that you missed it wow but yeah I mean okay so Obviously, when I was on YouTube, I was filming landscape. Mm -hmm. And that was really different because for the YouTube world, I always like put on fake lashes and made sure my makeup was perfect and all that kind of stuff. And then when TikTok came around, there was just like a different mentality, kind of like you said. And for some reason, I would just go bare face on there and just Mm -hmm. do whatever. I don't know. It was just like quicker, easier, and a vertical video, Mm -hmm. shorter video as well. And so anyway... um, just a couple of years ago, I stopped doing fitness videos because my heart was no longer in it for many reasons. One, there was so much body shaming. Um, people were also just like taking my content and making drama about it for no reason, just because I work out <laughs> different than you, I eat different than you, and it, I just became a target. And many times through my online career, I have been uh, bullied on almost every on every single platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, we don't even need to get into that, but it got to a point where there were like actual death threats. I had to call oh the police. God. I had to hire a bodyguard because I thought I was going to get killed at a meetup. Like it, it got bad. And I, and really just to think it's because of the way you eat or the way you work out. It's really weird. It's so it's crazy really when you weird. actually get to the root of it. It has nothing to do with you. It's just these like random it's, scary people. Well, and because they're able to ride on your name, it brings clicks, which brings views, which totally. brings monetary, um, you know, value to them. So yeah. you become, you become their content. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, a few years ago, I decided I need to show people the other side of my life, <laughs> which is my design side and my product development side. And really like how I spend 95% of my day. And like, yeah, mm-hmm. yes, I love working out and I was filming workout videos, but that's like not everything I was doing every single day. Plus at this point I had filmed like thousands of workout videos and I just did not know how to teach a crunch a different way. Like th- yeah. th- this is kind of all I've got right now. And so I, it was, it wasn't like mentally challenging for me anymore. Yeah. I was going to say like, at what point do you feel like you've exhausted every single combination of workouts and yeah. different movements until you just, sometimes like I'm in, if I'm in a class, I want to spruce it up. I'll just make up a random movement. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know that this is not a legitimate workout, but it's hard. And no. it like, it, it feels difficult. It feels, I feel my muscles moving. Yeah. It makes it a little bit more interesting, but at some point you have thousands of videos. How do you come up with something new? No, it's really hard. So I was mentally exhausted. So mm-hmm. I wanted to change up my content and just show the other side of me. And so, um, that's kind of around the same time when the pandemic was happening and vertical video short form was coming in and being able to make videos about the other part of my life really brought the joy back into editing. Mm -hmm. And so like if we fast forward to today, um, I film all my videos by myself and like, yeah, there was a point like with YouTube where I had like crews and like lighting Mm -hmm. and like makeup art, like did the whole thing. 
it was too much. It really was too much. It's a workout video, right? Um, but these days I like literally, I set my camera up next to a window, right? Get some yeah. good, beautiful, even lighting. And I just like, you know, pull on my pants and, ooh, and like show <laughs> like my sketch. I like have my own like setup for, um, top down video. And like, I film everything myself and between the writing, the editing, the voiceover and all that it takes like nine to 10 hours for one 60 second video, mm-hmm. which is crazy. I was actually going to ask what that process looks like. Cause I would imagine it takes a long, it takes long a time. long time. And like some of those sketches like can take me like 30 minutes and then mm-hmm. you really only see like six seconds of it. And so a lot of times I'll end up with like almost two hours of footage that I have to condense down to 60 and that takes forever. Um, I don't shot list anything out. I just kind of do it by mm-hmm. myself. Cause for me, every time I release a new design, it's like birthing a baby and I want to be telling that story. So it's very personal to me. And it's extremely difficult to be a content creator and also be the CEO and head designer of this growing business at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I'm literally dying and I'm trying to figure out how to balance that. But I'm just so close to the product. And um, yeah, and I want to be able to bring it to the, be the person to bring it to the world for the first time. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like when I look at PopFlex or I look at any videos, it's so evident, like, that you are the center of, the, of that entire brand. So how did you go from starting Blogilates uh-huh. and having your like weights, your dumbbells, your yoga mats, your bags, all of those products mm-hmm. going into Target? Yeah. <laughs> and then, and you're still doing Blogilates. I am. And PopFlex. I know. How it's are a you lot. doing that? I don't know. Oh I don't know. God. I'm still figuring it out. <laughs> um, okay. So obviously PopFlex started first. Okay. Well, here's what's confusing. My my screen name is Blogilates. And that came from me blogging and being a Pilates instructor in case anyone was wondering. She's a blogger, an influencer, an editor. All the things. A business. She's all everything. The things, all the things. Dying <laughs> at the same time. Um, so that's always been like, I guess, me, my screen name. And then PopFlex, I started it in 2016 because I was like, at the time I was making train insane or remain, train insane or remain the same, train like a V's look like a beauty, like those kind of motivational shirts. Do you remember that okay. era? The oh really neon like shirt era? Oh yeah, they still okay. sell them at like fitness studios. You can find them and they'll be like the tank tops, but they're cut off like the muscle tees and yeah. they have the block letters. Yeah. Kind of looks like yeah, a yeah, spring yeah. break t-shirt. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I was selling a lot of those at the time and I was just like, I want to be wearing my own clothes and like, I want to go back to my original childhood dream of becoming a fashion designer. Mm-hmm. And this is why I kind of told the story earlier because it all comes back. And so in 2016, I was like, I'm going to do it. I am going to design real clothes. And it wasn't easy. I didn't have any technical design background. I like any sketching that I did was from me just liking to draw. And mm-hmm. I do love to draw. I have a sketchbook with me at all times. Um, so anyway, that brand started in 2016 and it was extremely difficult. Lots of highs and lows. In 2018, I almost shut everything down like because it just wasn't working. There was success. Then there was me trying to understand how to make patterns for plus size and not really understanding how, like how to do that for the body. So there was a lot of, a lot of stuff going on that I had to figure out. And, um, anyway, when I started to understand the body and understand how to make clothes for movement, things began to change. I began to talk about the why behind the design. And after posting a video about like, Hey, this is why you get camel toe. Like people really resonated with it. Like, like back then nobody was talking about that. And a video like that could go viral and then sell out product within hours. Like it was insane. And then I just kept talking about the product that way. And that really helped put the brand like on a different growth trajectory because of the videos that I was putting out. So anyway, that was happening. And around the time that PopFlex was really growing, let's say we're in, uh, you know, post pandemic era, uh, Target reached out and was like, Hey, uh, we have this opportunity. And I was like, what? (laughs) So tell me more. Yeah. And so basically I, um, started a more approachable and affordable brand 
for Target. And so that's called Blogilates. And that's okay. where you find like the gold dumbbells, the gold kettlebells, and that's the in-store. And then Pop Flex, and now I'm going to explain the difference between the two. Pop Flex is my D2C brand, and it's more of the innovation, a little bit of a higher price point. Um, so that's, that's how there are two brands. Yes. Yeah. That's how that happened. Okay. Wait, I love the explanation behind this. Yeah. So with Blogilates uh-huh. then, the products that you sell in Target, so are you still, um, like firsthand drawing those sketches, mm-hmm. coming up with those ideas. And like, I know you just had like a water bottle or a new book bag that came out. Yeah, that's yes. right. Yeah. So I am, I am. So okay. I'm like, I, it's completely too much. And like, yes, I have, <laughs> uh, we, I have an amazing technical design team that works with me and the ladies come from Spanx and Reebok and like, they really know their stuff. So I've learned so much on mm-hmm. the job. Um, but yeah, I'm doing it for both brands and I'm trying to figure out while also making videos, like I got to figure this out because I really am deteriorating by the day. Yeah. But I think like when I think about workout clothes, Mm -hmm. like it is very clear to me, I have a pop flex sports bra and it is genuinely one of the most supportive sports bras that I have. That is cute. I I have some sports bras that are very supportive, but they're not cute. No, I know what you mean. And you have this like very girly aesthetic Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it's very, um, you know, What's, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Like people want to replicate it. Ah, so you talked about this (laughs) last year at South by Southwest. Yeah. Um, the specific skirt that was going very viral. Yeah. Your, um, my pirouette skirt. Yes. So talk to me a little bit about coming up with these designs, Mm -hmm. being innovative Uh and very unique and then having things stolen from you. Yeah. So basically when I came up with this pirouette skirt, it's a skirt that has tiers on it and it, um, it's kind of like a, like tutu looking. I yeah, suppose. it's like a the, mesh overlay. Like a mesh overlay skirt with pockets and there's no front seam. It's anti-camel toe with a little drawstring. It's super cute. I remember coming up with it and telling my husband, Sam, Sheehan's going to steal this design. I just know it. And have they stolen anything from you prior to this skirt? No, but okay. I knew this was going to be the one. Because I've seen them steal stuff from other designers, and I knew this was going to be the one. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, I released the skirt. It goes super viral, and everything's great. Um, completely sell out. And then a few months later, I get some DMs from fans, and they're like, hey, this looks like your score. And yeah. I was like, oh, my God, it's happening. And so... That happened and I just put them on blast and I was just like, this is not okay to steal from independent designers, la 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 la. And I put it up. They um, got tagged so many times by my fans that they took it down immediately. And at the same time, they reached out personally to me and said, our US Shein president wants to meet with you and speak about how we are, we love independent designers and we want to work with you. I'm like, what are you even saying yeah, right now? And I was like, bullshit. yeah. And I was like, oh, they were like, we'd love to get on a call. And I was like, well, I don't want to get on a call unless we talk about my agenda points, which are how are you going to prevent this from happening and all this kind of stuff. And so anyway, eventually after like a couple of weeks of going back and forth, they agreed to my agenda. We get on the call and I'm talking to the US president. He's saying like, you know, we won't do this again. Never said sorry never said sorry. Okay. But said, you know, he knew about this because his daughter came screaming into his room and being like, dad, why'd you do this to Cassie? So it's like, it struck a chord with him. And because he was human about it and talked to me about it, I was like, okay, I'm just not going to talk about this anymore. Whatever. Then literally three (laughs) months later, oh my God, literally three months later, my skirt is now up again on their website in a different color, but literally the same Pantone that I had just released in my restock. Helen, and how do they even know that though? How, how are they so freaking fast? quick with it? Well, I think, well, I, they're set up. I, I think that the way that they do it, they're able to buy like, um, fabric that's already on the market. And they, and if they already have my pattern, I think they just like go yeah. and they can make it something get up in two weeks. Yeah. It's like, I take anywhere from one to two years, sometimes three years to develop a product and get it to mm-hmm. market. They're doing it within a couple of weeks. So just imagine all the shortcuts that are being made. Like that's right. crazy. So anyway, when that happened, I was like, you know what? Screw it. Spilling all the tea. <laughs> and like, I, screw you. Yeah. I like wrote a blog post and also like talked about it on Instagram and you made a YouTube video about how he told me that if you, if you don't want this to happen again, all you have to do is send me your design and I'll put it in some type of place in our company that says like, do not copy and it'll be safe. Obviously I wasn't going to do that. 
and they still copied it. And like, it, it's like so weird. All of this is so weird. And like, I even asked like, what happened to the extra units of like the black score that you first copied? And he's like, oh, yeah. I, I'm not sure. Like either we donated or something. I was like, did you destroy it? He's like, oh, I don't know. It was like very vague. Clearly, whether or not it was right. on like, you know, shein.us.com or whatever, or I don't know, maybe they put it in a different country. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. But um, weirdly enough, I actually just saw that skirt again on a different website. Oh my This God. time a US website. Uh, but uh, anyway, I think I got there a little too Hala- fast. Is it Halara? No, but Halara, not. Halara likes to copy designs and copy my marketing style. I was literally going to say, so every yeah. single time I see a Halara video, it is the exact same thing. It's like, they show me the skirt, they show yeah. me the side pockets, uh-huh. they show me the front. Like it is it's the same thing. Video too, no, they, they literally, they film from the same angle in like, on a model that has a very similar body to me with a similar background. It's very infringing. Like you can't see their marketing. face. So no, you wouldn't, you, you wouldn't, wouldn't really know. know, but they do things like put a bottle in a pocket. Okay. Who started doing that first? Like I did. And the, the part that really gets, I mean, they're trying to confuse consumers. And so in my comments, when I called this out, people were like, Oh, you mean you didn't start your, a sub brand called Halara? Oh my God. No, like that's how, that's how crazy it was getting. Anyway, I went through a very like, I was very sad because I was like all this hard work and putting it to my babies and putting them out. They're getting like ripped off and like all this kind of stuff. Then I started seeing it on Amazon. Oh no! I just like started getting out of hand. This, this skirt, the same skirt that I knew people were going to rip off. But the, the light that I saw was that in the reviews for this fake comment or for this fake skirt, people were saying, Hey, I can't afford the original. If you can, please support the original designer. So I knew mm. that in the end, people did want to support um, PopFlex. Anyway, right. I'm going to forward to like a couple weeks ago. So during this time um, with all of this crazy stuff happening, I was like, I need to protect myself legally. Right. And I have never gotten a patent before. I didn't I was, know how to I was do gonna that. Ask, like, yeah. And so I consulted our legal team and they're like, this might be hard to get, but we can try. And so crazy enough, just a couple weeks ago on my birthday on January 16th, um, the design patent for my pirouette scored was issued. Oh yay. yeah. So yeah. So that yay, happened. That's, awesome. that's happened. And, uh, yeah. And we just found another brand that is infringing on the design. And now it'll be interesting to see for the first time how powerful this patent can be. Right. So, yeah. When this happens, when you find out that there is another company that's using your designs, mm-hmm. what actions do you take? Like, what do you do? Okay. Well, the, it, there's a few things, right? Cause there's like the court of law, then right. there's like the court of social media. So in the first instance, social media, I literally no, think it's more powerful. It is. <laughs> they, they just brush it under the rug. It, but. No, it truly is because fashion law is very gray. And I wasn't sure if I could even get this patent. And so because the fans were so behind me, we were able to get Shein to take down the skirt the first mm-hmm. time, the second time. Um, but now having this design patent, we'll see. Uh, we sent a cease and desist. Let's see what happens. Okay. And I don't know. Hopefully it's just quick and swift, but people need to be careful. Right. Because I've talked about this so many times. Yeah. So you're obviously someone with a huge platform. You have millions of people behind you. Uh-huh. So for small designers mm-hmm. who are maybe like indie brands, yeah. what's your advice to them? Because I feel like I've seen, I've seen numerous yeah. um, small designers be ripped off and it's horrible. And there's actually this one girl, Erin Sunsolo. Uh-huh. I don't know if I pronounced her name correctly or not, but uh-huh. I followed her, I think, in college. Uh-huh. There was a girl in my sorority. Her name was Kaylee Terrence, and I thought she was so cool. She was older than me, and she posted a picture in uh-huh. this little, like, patchwork puffer. Yeah. And um, I just thought it was so unique. I'd never seen anything like it before. And so I followed this designer, Erin, for yeah. years. And I don't even remember when this was, maybe a couple years ago. She was also ripped off on Sheen. Oh my God. And so she posted it. I reposted it, but she doesn't have Mm -hmm. like the platform that you have to get the reach in order to rally people behind them. So what would be like your advice, I guess, to smaller business owners? It's so difficult because smaller designers, one, don't have the money or the legal team to go for anyone. Um, and then secondly, like you said, they might not have that following. And what's really difficult too, is that even when I was talking about my skirt design being stolen, no media even wanted to write about it because at this point 
it's like been done so many times that people are bored. And so like, I think it would be nice if media could get behind this because that is where that, that court of social media, that court of media kind of comes into play. Um, it's tough. I've had designers reach out to me and we kind of just talk about it in DMS about like, Hey, what's happening to you? What's happening? Like, what can we do? I think I would love to put up a blog post, like just like a evergreen one where any designer who gets ripped off can just send me pictures of what, like, you know, the, the Shein version and their version. Yeah. kind Yeah. And then like, cause my blog gets a lot of hits every month. And so like, let's just have something standing and living there forever as evidence of like how she and or whoever like ripped right. off this designer. Um, because I do have that platform. So I would mm-hmm. like to do that. I, I have a bunch of people who've reached out to me. I have the pictures just need to get that blog post up. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious. Have you ever ordered from Shein? I have, okay. unfortunately. Yeah. When it first came out and I was like, what's this? I know, right? Yeah. There's so many options. I got yeah. one package of clothes mm-hmm. when I was, I think a sophomore in college. Mm-hmm. I even have the picture still. I remember I got this like little two piece set and Instagram ads weren't really like that big of a thing. Like I don't even know where I found Shein. I think someone had told me about it, but now I got to scroll. Every other thing on my Facebook is Shein. Or like Temu. Oh my God. Have you, did you see all the Super Bowl ads? Oh, I'm like, how much money did they pay for that? Too much. So much. And it was such a stupid commercial. I know. And (laughs) I've been getting nonstop emails from them too, because I had this one video on TikTok shop about this stair stepper that I bought and it actually performed pretty well. So like on the back end of TikTok shop, you can see how creators do. So Uh if you sell well, brands reach out to you, but I have been getting nonstop emails from Temu. Like, almost every single day and there's no way to there's no way to turn it off Wait, or anything you can't just put them to spam um you know what i could maybe <laughs> <laughs> i can't like unsubscribe though but you'd think but anyways that being said i have ordered from shan i got that one package of clothes and i swear i think i wore the outfit one time and it ripped and it fell apart and i never wore it ever again so shan has been reaching out to me since I started on social media. And um, I remember I had posted one time on my Instagram story, somebody had asked me about Shein and I replied, I was like, here are all the reasons it's problematic. And then I posted like, there was a swastika necklace at some point. And there was like, Mm -hmm. um, um, they had like a t-shirt that had blood stains on it. Like shortly after there was just a very national shooting. Like there, there are just things that I'm like, I would never work with Shein. I would never, never ever work with them. And I've never. publicly stated it so many times. So I had a TikTok video that I said I would never work with Shein. Yeah. And they saw that and they had reached out to me and they had invited me on that factory tour oh, brand trip. No, I saw those videos. Yes. <gasps> and they said, hey, like we know that Jenna has posted about Shein. She is concerned about our like labor and we would love to invite her on this trip. We're taking creators to China. I think it's, I uh-huh. think it was China uh-huh, uh-huh. and they're going to tour the facility. They'll learn all about our design process and see where everything is being made. And turns out mm-hmm. I, I completely forgot about it. I was like, absolutely not. Like, no, no. you can't, you couldn't pay me a no. hundred thousand dollars to go. Mm-hmm. I just wouldn't because I feel like for my own sake, I can't do that. Good. Because I saw those videos and yes. the fake perfect factory that they took people to. Are you kidding me? Oh my gosh. But then did you see all the backlash I that the did. creators got? I did. It was so crazy. So I forget the one girl's name who like got a lot of backlash. I know she did the video about. and mm-hmm. she's like, mm-hmm. they assured me everything is quality and you know, all those things. But anyways, going back to the Shein thing, I, obviously a lot of the reason why people purchase from Shein is just the cost of goods. Yeah. That's, you know. People can't necessarily afford to buy the best quality clothes. Mm -hmm. So how has that quality and inclusivity kind of um, influenced how you are designing things and your price point and your size range and everything? Because although, you know, your product is more expensive, how do you still make your products like accessible to people? Well, here's the thing. It's like price per wear and Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have bought from Shein before when I didn't know what it was. And I remember buying this like set of pajamas. And when I got it, it felt like a Halloween costume. You know that (laughs) feeling? Like that flammable fabric? Like an an allergic reaction. Yeah. (laughs) So I design clothes that I am proud to wear. And Mm -hmm. so if you are able to buy one thing that, yeah, it might be a little bit more expensive, but you can wear it many times. That's also a little bit more sustainable too. Mm -hmm. Fast fashion is just a problem. Um, It's one of the biggest like 
contributors to waste in the world. And I've seen the videos of like, you know, people in third world countries or developing countries living next to rivers that literally turn the color of the dye that's being used that day. Like it is just terrible. And so, you know, for me, we're very thoughtful about our designs. And so anywhere between one to three years on one design because Mm -hmm. it matters because if it fits you really well, you're going to keep wearing it. Right. So, yeah, it's difficult. Um, but also again with the waste too, like as an influencer, your job is to share like products and things, yeah. which often means you get sent PR oh, and as yeah. a brand owner, mm-hmm. you're selling out, uh, sending out PR mm-hmm. to pop flex. Mm-hmm. So what is like your take on PR gifting and like the approach that you take to finding creators you want to work with? And then also what you decide to send these people? Yeah, no, that's a great question because as, so there's two parts of me, right? Like mm-hmm. I have the content creator influencer side and then right, the business you're on, side. Right, because you're on the yeah. receiving end of it I too am. and you yeah. get a lot of stuff, I'm sure. Which, which makes me really thoughtful about how we send PR as well because mm-hmm. sometimes I'll get PR from companies that I haven't posted about in like years and keep <laughs> sending me stuff. I'm not going to say no because like whatever. <laughs> but for us, we only send stuff to people who actually want our stuff. So either one, they're reaching out or I see them commenting and Mm -hmm. then I'll send it over to our internal like PR gifting team and we send people what they want. And Mm -hmm. so they're asking for it. We always also make sure that it fits them well because that's important too. So, you know, being the number one in fit is really essential to the brand and the reason why we've grown so much. And then, um, I mean, that's how we do it. And then if no one's like, if someone's, if we send someone something and they're not posting, then we may not send them stuff that they don't want. And that, that is some of the most wasteful stuff. Secondly, these beautiful PR boxes. (laughs) I always feel so bad when I have to put them in the recycling bin. I know. Cause I know each box is like, I don't know, 30, 40, $50, just the box. They're so, okay. It's not even just the waste of it in general. It's just that I know that the cost of the box to make this cut out lipstick. It's so pretty. But like, what am I going to do with it? What are you going to do with I, it? So we have, we have these recycled boxes and they're uniform and we put whatever fits inside the box, inside the box. And should you want to reuse it to ship stuff to your friends or whatever, like, that's fine. But we don't make like these die cut box thingies because right. that I, it's going to take too much time and it's very expensive. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I've been like vocal about that too. And I actually had, oh my gosh, I had this one brand. I'll just tell it here, whatever. Okay. Who cares? All right. I had, cause I had been posting about how like, over the couple of years that I've been doing social media, uh-huh. you get sent a lot of PR and it's yep. amazing. And I feel so fortunate to receive it. And totally. I hate to like complain because you know, you feel like icky to yeah. do that. Yeah. But also at the same time, like if it's not the influencers with the platform who are going to go to the brands and say, please stop doing this, then they're just going to keep doing it. And there's just gonna be so much waste. Mm. So there was like um, a video recently where I posted about how insane the waste is just in the boxes alone. Yes. Where you'll get a blank cardboard box and then inside of that is the box die box yeah 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 or yeah. it's just a branded box and then you yeah. open that up and then it's the die whatever what yeah, yeah call, the, die cut, die the die cut die cut box mm-hmm. and then it's full of packing peanuts which you can't even like you can't yeah. even do anything with that you can't break it you down know, the, the, if you send me crinkle i actually do save it when i have to gift people that is you actually know, my a good friends, idea but like i have a lot of crinkle now in yes. my like room you can have a bunny just put it in a bunny cage put it in a bunny cage <laughs> <laughs> And so ironically, there was this beauty brand that I like love and I work with them. I'm not going to say the name of them because I okay. do love them, but okay. they sent me this like Valentine's day gift and yeah. they said, Hey, we're going to send you an extra one for your followers. If you want to do a giveaway or uh-huh. give it to a friend, whatever. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So I open it and it's this giant glass jar of like probably two or 300 lip products <gasps> of the exact same like color, the same color. Yeah. It's just like the exact same product. It's like a clear product. And I'm like, what in the world do I need this for? Like no single person needs 300. So luckily I have an event this upcoming week that I'm going to give the product to girls. Good. But I think it's really like, what's the word? Impactful to talk to a business owner who is also aware of that waste. And yeah, just knowing that you are very thoughtful with sending PR, with sending packages for PopFlex. Yeah. And usually like we only send stuff that people want. That's the whole point. And also we'll like check out people's pages and be like, oh, this girl only likes to wear black. And so we'll only send black. And then we always ask for your height, your inseam, like to make sure that that, that the thing fits you and that you'll Mm -hmm. wear it. But yeah, no, we're very thoughtful about sending and we do review like who's poster, who hasn't. And, and really this is a a non-transactional relationship. I want to be very clear about that. We don't ask anyone to post ever. Mm -hmm. 
we send you stuff and if you like it, wear it cool. If you post or don't like whatever, but if you, if you don't like it, then we probably just won't send you stuff because maybe yeah. you just don't like it and that's fine too. But no, I mean, I, we tried in the very beginning to do some like paid campaigns and it just wasn't, it just didn't feel right. It didn't feel authentic. Like you'll, you'll never get the same type of feeling from a video of someone being like, you know, if you're paid and be like, Hey, like this thing, this is cool. But then you get the ones where people are like, Oh my God, I just tried this and it is so good. It holds in my boobs. Like right. you can't pay for that kind of stuff. And so I, I just don't. And like also being on the other side, having done brand deals and stuff, mm-hmm. I never feel great about doing them because there are words that you have to say or like legal needs you to say. And so I, I stopped doing brand deals like just yeah. years ago. It, well, it made me dif- so unhappy. It's difficult when you like genuinely love the product mm-hmm. and you're so excited that you're doing a paid partnership with yeah. them. And you're like, we love your content. You can do whatever you want. You yeah. have all creative freedom. Yeah. And then they send you the brief and there's like all these talking points that you have to hit. And you're like, wait a second. <laughs> what? You just deprived my total personality. Right. Like this video is not going to perform well. But or or like you do hit all the bullets and then they send it to legal and you didn't say one thing right and you have to refilm that part yeah. and just sound like a legal robot and is like kills me. So yeah. do you guys don't do any paid um paid partnerships? No, for Popflex we don't. That's so Every awesome. we we gift very openly and freely. Whoever wants it, sure, we'll send right. it to you. We'll send it to your friends. But I just don't like that transaction and transactional relationship. Are you guys on TikTok shop? Yeah. Okay. I'm curious. Do you want to talk about that? Yes. Okay. Tell me how it is because Uh, Connor just had a, like a call with somebody and they have all the analytics Uh from all these brands that are popping off on TikTok shop. And like, as a consumer, do I love the shop videos? Not not every other video, but I do like some of them for sure. Uh-huh. But for a like business. Like that, that hot brush. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. The damn hot brush. Oh, and then the jumpsuit with like the scrunch butt. Do you get that one too? Yes. <laughs> and you know, I'm not going to lie. I did have it in my cart. And I, Wait, can I tell you, I was like, I need to buy that and had the worst experience as a customer. Really? It never came. Oh, no way. It just didn't come. Have you bought anything else from shop? Uh, I actually bought something from Tarte Cosmetics and it's on my lips right now. It's like this shiny whatever gloss. Oh, so the Maracuja. Like Is that what it's called? The Tarte? They, I'm not going to lie. Like their deals on TikTok shop, pretty freaking good. Mm, I did not get a deal, unfortunately. No? <laughs> no, I didn't. I don't oh know. Oh my gosh. Was in a coupon they have the these time. like bundles where you can get, I think it's like two or three Maracuja lips and then just a bunch of things. Uh, Maureen Kelly, the owner, uh-huh, uh-huh, she posts uh-huh. all the time about like the deals they're doing and it is uh-huh. legit. So you do know that it is coming straight from the brand, but I've bought um, snail mucin. Oh, <laughs> I, have, I have not gotten into the snail mucin. I felt guilty of it. I've used it maybe five times. Um, so that do was you like it. I don't know. I haven't used it enough to really know. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I got that. I actually just ordered a BK beauty brush. Okay. Um, and the reason why I got that one is because Selena Gomez is makeup artist. Yeah. She posts them all the time. I see her videos oh. nonstop. So I'm like, okay, you know what? You can convince me. I'll get that. Okay. I'll need to try that. And then the last thing is a little stair stepper machine. Oh, yep. Mm-hmm. And I, I saw a lot of those. I said I was going to use it every <laughs> single day until like the end of the year. I quit after like five days. It's hard. It's so hard. Wow. It's like a, it's a good workout. But anyways. How do I think about TikTok shop? Yeah. How do you think about TikTok? Shop? Okay. I, well, okay. Let, let, let's think about this in the bigger picture. I think TikTok wants to be the number one online shopping platform for live shopping, which is something that Americans haven't really grasped yet in the way that the Chinese consumer okay. is, you know, consuming product and buying product live. And during the holidays, TikTok shop had a lot of these coupons where it was like, oh, you know, get $30 off, whatever. And it basically is free. Right. And so as a brand, we weren't paying for the $30. TikTok was TikTok was paying that for us. So I knew that during this stretch of time, TikTok was doing whatever they could to make themselves the number one destination for live shopping. And so some of those coupons have gone away now. And I think it was great for them to try, but from both ends, one as a consumer, I did not have a good experience with TikTok shop, never got my product. Okay. Um, didn't enjoy that. It was very confused what I was buying. Couldn't even see what size it was. I was like, I don't know. I just need the scrunch butt thing. I'm just going to get it. Never came. (laughs) Um, and then as a brand, when we tagged the products, it did do really well, but they 
capped us. And so as the video was going viral, it was like, it, and it was our first time. They're oh. like, oh, no, 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 you can't, you can't send more than like, you know, like 200 products. Cause this is your first time. We don't know about you, which like fair. Wait, what do you mean? Well, no, no. Cause like, they're like, cause there's like sketchy retailers on there. Like the one who was selling me the scrunch butt oh. thing that I never got. Okay. So they wanted to ensure that we would actually ship out our product. That you had the stock on hand. Yeah. Okay, so, that so that, sense. that was one thing that was a little bit weird because then people were like, I can't buy it. So that was not good. Anyway. Okay. So once we proved that we were a real business. Um, then there were just these weird technical glitches where it would go through our system and like not fully connect to Shopify. So we actually never knew that we got an order from TikTok shop. Oh. And then TikTok was, would ding us for not shipping it out, but we never got the order. And yeah. so it was a really weird experience from the, the business side. Okay. Yeah, it's glitchy. It's glitchy. Yeah. Well, so when I worked there in 2020 to uh -huh. 2021, um, I was on the advertising team and like the TikTok ads manager was still really new. Like yeah. advertising in general was very new. Yeah. So we had like just had whitelisting in beta, uh -huh. which is when I have anyone who's listening, you can like put money behind a video, uh -huh. make sure it reaches more people. And so we were just trying to convince everyone to get onto TikTok in general. Yeah. But now I feel like the performance of TikTok videos, if they're not a shop video, I, I'm fully invested in the fact, I believe uh -huh. that if I were to post a video, like let's say with PopFlex, uh -huh. okay, let's say you paid me a hundred dollars to post this video uh -huh. and then, uh, that's it. They're like not going to let anyone see this video. So they're either trying to convince you that you have to put paid behind it uh -huh. in order for people to see it. Or even if you do that, it's still not going to reach the same amount of people that if you put it on shop. So I feel like now what they're trying to do uh -huh. is show all these advertisers like, oh, here's how your video will perform if, if you're not on shop. Yeah. And you're just, it's an influencer saying like, oh, go buy it from the website versus yeah, here's yeah, yeah. what happens when it's linked through TikTok shop and people can buy it direct in the app. 100% they're pushing like shop linked videos. Yeah. But as a person who scrolls, right, and consumes right. content, do you feel like anytime you see like commission, whatever, that you are just like, ugh, I don't want to watch that? Yeah, I yeah. think it depends on the person. Mm. And I think it also depends on like, ugh, there's so many um, content creator like gurus out there, which is totally fine. Like yeah. I, I encourage everyone to make content. Yeah. There's like so much space for everyone. But you can tell when it's like a very rehearsed thing. Like they have the hook. They have like this formula that people like try to teach this formula of how to go viral. Yeah. I feel like you can just tell. Oh, versus, you can so tell. Yeah. Versus people who are just genuinely talking. They're making a video that they had fun doing and then they happen to link it to shop. You mm -hmm. know, no, I think there's I a know. difference. Oh, there's totally a difference. So it's crazy. So you think that um, like shoppable live shop will be much bigger in the US? Um, I think t TikTok's going to try. Instagram basically failed with it. That's why you, yeah, like they tried. It didn't really work. Um, YouTube is also trying right now. All the tech companies are trying to be the destination for live shopping because I think that's, you know, they're trying to emulate what um, China already has going on with their yeah. consumer. So we'll see. Maybe we can all benefit from some coupons during this time period until like one of them becomes king. Right. Yeah. I do think it's like steering people away though. People are like, I don't like TikTok anymore or I don't no, 100%. like whatever it's, anymore. It's not what you, do you remember that beautiful time during the pandemic where it was just so fun, so genuine there and so weird. many was, like niche it was beautiful for you pages it was yeah, so fun it was great I love like the trending page you know you know what videos to make based on the hashtag and now it's just like a shopping yeah. platform and it's not as fun I don't find myself going on there as much yeah even yeah. for the hashtags you're so right like I would make a TikTok video and you can type in hashtags it'll tell you what's yeah. trending at the top and you can see how people in their different niches were using the hashtag right. I, it was really fun yeah now they took that away they made it um where they show you how many posts there are with the hashtag versus how many views there are with a certain mm. hashtag. So I don't really utilize hashtags to be honest with you. Cause I'm kind of like, well, if the video is good, if the video is either going to do well or it's not like, and you never know. Yeah. And, and I don't really make know. videos for discovery anymore. I make videos for people that like actually follow me and care about my life. Right. And you're like nurturing your audience. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like the community. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't really care. Not that I don't care about new people. I obviously do, but well, the right ones will find you. Right. Mm -hmm. Trying to go viral all the time doesn't always. It and happens on accident. And you can't even plan for going viral. You'll just be disappointed all the time and just unhappy. Yes. Yeah. Well, I have one final question. I just wanted to ask you, like, you are obviously very successful. You're managing a million things and you're someone that 
millions of women like look up to you. So what is just like one piece of advice that you would give for girls who are trying to navigate their career and figure out like their purpose in life? Mm. I would say that, well, is, can I give two things? Sure. Okay. <laughs> um, one, you need to find something that you really care about. Like okay. something that you can, even when things are really hard, if there is a deeper why, you're going to keep pushing through. And hopefully you can find that nexus between your career and your purpose and your passion all in one. And if you don't know what that is, just keep trying things and lean into the things that make you smile and get away from the things that kind of just make you feel depleted. Mm-hmm. And secondly, um, it's okay to not know everything. I'm still figuring things out every single day and just be creative with your problem solving. I remember the first time when I was like, uh, how do I make a yoga bag? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I went into the yellow pages, like the physical yellow pages. <laughs> oh and I looked God. up like sewing and I was like, uh, and I picked up the phone and like just called people until one person was like, I guess I'll take you kind of seriously fine and just figure things out mm-hmm. and be okay with failing. There's so no good story is told without a bunch of failure. Right. And it also makes the reward a lot sweeter when you've gone through those tough times. That's really good. That's such yeah? a great way. Yes. Okay, okay. I love it. I'm like taking that to my heart. I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, you're so right. Well, thank you so much for joining me and taking thank time you. out of your day. And also welcome to Austin. Yay. I Cassie love you. just here. moved here. I did. I so. did. It's so beautiful. And everyone's so friendly. Oh, you know what? Yeah. On like the second day that I was here, I went to Costco obviously to like, you know, stock up in the goods. <laughs> yeah. And my mouth literally dropped because of how all the carts were back in the cart center. Oh, do they not do that? No, <laughs> no. In LA, they are strewn everywhere, flying all over the place. Like here, I like walked and saw like 400 carts in perfect alignment. And I told Sam to take a picture with me with the carts. Oh my God. And so I have that picture. It's so good. Is Costco bigger here? No, it's the same. Okay. It's the same. I know. Yeah. Because you know the saying, like everything is bigger in Texas. I didn't know <laughs> if that was true for LA too, but the people are very, very kind. So friendly. And there's like such a great community of active people here too mm-hmm. and very diverse so pop flex is gonna thrive here oh yay and i gotta go take your bar class yes yeah yeah wednesday it. mornings you can come anytime okay just, i'm just message me okay well thank you so much <laughs> thank you Shana. i hope you guys enjoyed this episode and we'll put all of cassie's information in the episode description the link to go shop and everything you need to know otherwise i will talk to you guys next tuesday Bye.